And now, the internet's favorite podcast, podcast rated with your hosts, Brad and Caleb. And your folks have come to visit? They did. They came. They drove down yesterday. Uh, they got here around 530. What are you doing? How long are they staying? They're staying until next Sunday. I'm staying for another week. Is it spring break for Dean right now? Yeah. It's actually um, Wednesday afternoon. Me and Bethany are leaving. Mm-hmm. We're going to Gatlinburg. Oh, cool. We got a cabin. It's a beautiful view. It's like a hot tub and a pool table and a PS4. And, uh, <laughs> Gatlinburg is way over on the Smoky Mountain side, right? Yes. Yeah, side. over near Knoxville. Yeah, we're going there, and me and Bethany are staying there, no kids, for like four days. Holy cow, jeez. From what I understand, this is a perk of, well, once you become a parent, you're pretty much on 24-7 until the grandparents show up and be like, hey, we'll take your kids for a couple days. Exactly. And that's like the best gift that any grandparent can give to the parents. Absolutely. It's uh, crucial. And it's hard for us because we live so far away that we, we don't get it. Very often, you know, I mean, we get it yeah. more than you'd think, I guess, but not like this, not like this completely disappearing to the other side of the state for four days type thing. We've never done this before, so. Yeah. The closest, just, we, the closest we came to getting away for any period of time is when we went to St. Louis. As oh, you, uh, you know, like Lydia watched him, right? Yeah, but that was like two like two days. It was like overnight, pretty much, yeah. yeah. But I guess four days, I mean... Uh, how your kids are is there an age you shouldn't do this Benny? obviously you know if miles was um still breastfeeding you wouldn't do this yeah but you're at the age where you can kind of get away and they're not going to miss you for four days they might I'm they sure. will they okay. will but it's you know and they're, they're comfortable enough it. they're comfortable enough with their grandparents and it's not yeah happen. absolutely that's so weird just think i'm gonna have to worry about this kind of thing mm-hmm. in like three months <laughs> Not exactly like, oh my god, I need a break right now. Because right now it does feel like, wow, I got all this free time. What am I what should I do with it now while yeah. it's here? You know, like I have four days without kids every day right now, and I've had it for the last thirty years, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um But the thing about it is that once you once you can't do that, if you really hopefully if you're like me, at least I'll say my for me, uh, you'd rather have the option if you were given the choice of having this freedom all the time or having your wonderful children around. I'd rather have my kids. Oh, that makes complete sense. You know, like yeah. I'll sacrifice not being able to do whatever I want whenever I want, so that I can have my kids because they're more important. Yeah, it's worth it having the kids than, around yeah. than everything. So, you know, but it's nice to you know get a little bit of both, you get a little bit of free time, get away as well. I, let me ask you this: Are your kids? More, I've asked this to new parents. I said, are, are your kids more important than you, so to speak, in the sense that they are now your number one priority and your needs come second? Yes. Okay. That's the, like one thing I'm kind of afraid of. You <laughs> get over it, though. I mean, honestly, uh, I, I, I can only speak from my own experiences, and I certainly hope that other people feel the same way. That once I had kids, I looked back at my life before I had kids and wondered why I was even bothering. I've heard that from people. There really wasn't a whole lot of point to it, except for just living selfishly from, you know, and doing whatever. It didn't matter. Like, uh, and I look back at it now, I'm like, that was, why? That was dumb. <laughs> you know, like, like, my, life is, my life is so much better now that I have my kids in, in my life. Like, do you feel fulfilled spiritually, physically more? Or like, what what makes it so much better? Well, it just gives me something. There's a reason I go to work every day, you know, and it's to support my family instead of just trying to buy stuff. And it's less consumerism. It's more of living to support Mm-hmm. my family and myself you know i guess it's the perspective changed as far as what's important i i guess like for me for the past since i've been working which is 10 years nine ten years now i go to work and i'm doing it to improve my role improve myself improve my lot in society to make myself happier by having money and the idea and then this probably is irrational the idea of having kids 
makes me fear a little bit that I won't be able to continue to improve myself or work on myself because there's going to be this big distraction all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, like a tiny, it, it, it is a, it makes sense in my own twisted logic. And I yeah. hear people say like, yeah, you might have to just put off working on yourself for a while. And I'm thinking, but I want to, you know, improve in my career and become a better pianist and everything like that and have a big garden. But I don't want to be like, I hate to say that. I don't want to be like how my dad is, where he did not do a great job of paying attention to his kids <laughs> and continue to focus on himself. I guess I, I, I have a cautionary tale where I know not to go down that road. Sorry, uh-huh. Dad, you're never going to listen to this. But <laughs> that, that's what I'm fearful of. And I hear from new parents, and they're just like, you're going to be too busy to even care. <laughs> like It's going to be well, too difficult. Yeah, that's part of that's true. There are still things that I do. Obviously, uh, I'm not like 24-7 zoned in on parenting. There are obviously things that I still have hobbies, you know, and I still have things that, I, you know. Yeah, you're still watching pers- hockey and everything. Still, yeah, I still have personal goals, you know, that I set for myself that have improved myself. But at the same time, there's a greater cause for everything now because I exist to yeah. raise my children, you yeah. know. It's, it's, and that's improving yourself and them i guess i don't know oh absolutely yeah yeah that makes sense that you are do you feel i've been thinking about this a lot lately do you feel fulfilled that you are raising kids like spiritually internally more so than you would be otherwise i would say so yeah okay yeah i would say so yeah i had you mentioned that a minute ago and i had to think if that's true and i think yeah it's, it's it's gave me a greater purpose in life it makes me feel there's more obvious reason why i'm why I'm here and why I'm doing why you, anything. Why you put the work in every yeah. day. It really helps with the motivation on the back end. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. something I've, I've wondered about because I don't know. Relatively, I've waited a little longer than average to have crazy. kids. Not super or anything like that. Really, not, not American. Crazy. Not yeah. crazy. Not like for somebody with my educational attainment, I guess, is one way to put it. But yeah, sure. um, it's not like I'm 38 and we're having our first kid or something. That, that yeah. That, that, that happens means, a lot. It does happen a lot. Or like I, I hear a lot about these, uh, you know, professional working families of working women, and they're like, "Oh, it's I'm 42 and I'm going to have a kid now." It's like, wow, that's really waiting a long time. Right. That's when the the clock has been ticking and it's about to strike midnight. Like, it really, this is your last chance, so you have to go for it now. And you put it off for too long, and now you're at the very end of it. So good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Hopefully everything works out for you. Yeah. Um, biologically. And right. But I, mean uh, I was I'm sitting there thinking like, why did we why did I decide, okay, we're having kids now? And part of it was that we waited for Megan to go back to school and she found a new career and that took like two, three year process. Yeah. Um but I it's sort of like, is it really the spiritual I want to raise something? I want to feel more fulfilled because I don't feel fulfilled. And I think that might be like twenty five percent of it. And then the other 75% is almost like instinct. Like, this is what you do. This is what you do internally. This is evolutionarily subconscious. I'm going to just do it because it feels good. I don't mean that way. But (laughs) I'm going to do it because it feels internally the right thing to do. Evolutionarily. And I'm not even like thinking consciously about that. So right, right. It's, just, it's an instinct. It's like mating season. Yeah, it's like mating season. Exactly. Like, honest. Yeah. So, with that heady political or philosophical discussion, welcome to Podcastrated, everybody. Yeah, yeah welcome. Hey. Come on in. Sit down and relax. Sit down and relax. We're going to talk about difficult subjects the entire time. Don't worry. <laughs> everything else will be easy <laughs> from here on out. So, sure will. yeah, um, we're doing our March podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's the March version, uh, uh, March 2016. It is a beautiful day in Nashville. Uh, it's supposed to hit 60s today. The sun's shining. The magnolias apparently are blooming. I haven't seen them, but that's what my parents said they saw when they were coming into town last night. I don't even notice them anymore because they're everywhere. Yeah. They're the ones that have like the huge flowers that drop in people, the big, big purpley pink flowers. Well, yeah, they're more white, but they can be pink. They have a pink tinge to them. But yeah, they're, they're more, they're more white. They're huge and they're beautiful. I remember when the leaves we, are really dark green and, and large. Yes, that's right. We have a, like a neighbor who has a magnolia tree, but we usually don't see ours until like May 
Maybe. Mm, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You guys are at least six weeks ahead of us when it comes oh, to yeah. anything like that's, that. That's the thing. I said it before. I said it again. You experienced it because you visited, but the best time to visit this part of the country is the spring, in March specifically. Oh, it's gorgeous, yeah. And you walk, out in, your, yeah, you walk out in your yard, and there's all those, like, chives growing everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, you can see all the buds on the tree, and it's not 90 degrees out and 100% humidity yet. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> like, in the north, like, at least especially, especially in the UP, we really skip spring. Yep. It goes directly in the summer. Like, it's, it's winter, and there's, like, a couple of weeks of spring where it's just muddy. <laughs> all the snow banks turn brown. Yep, yeah, exactly. And everything's like just puddles everywhere, and it's so gross. I hate the spring. I hate the spring in the UP with all the snow is melting. All the snow and the, yeah, but it's muddy puddles everywhere, and everyone switches over from snowmobiles to four wheelers at yeah. a certain point. You can't like just go out and do stuff because everything's just soaking wet still for like forever because snow is just slowly melting. And we're kind of yeah, we're kind of there right now here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's uh, I, I'm I do that's the one thing I really do not miss. That's one of the things I should say. There's a lot of things I don't miss, but that's one of the things for sure. Like spring in in in, in the snowy country, the snowy part of the country. I seriously do not miss 150 inches of snow. I yeah. I mean, when I went up there and skied, it was nice to ski in it for a day. <laughs> uh, I don't miss moving it out of the driveway and getting mm-hmm. to the end, of, like getting midway through winter and. The, banks on the side of the driveway are so high that you're having trouble getting the snow up there to yeah. even like move it out of your driveway and then at a certain point you hit like mid-february and you're like screw it i'm just not going to shovel anymore yeah. we're just going to drive on top of the snow yeah and then you know, yeah I remember our old parking or our old apartment in nagani that had that like six spot parking lot in the front and they would come in and plow, and they'd plow it to the sides, and then by the time, like, this time of year rolls around, there's, like, four spots for the six, because you can't move it any further. I remember one year in particular, the snowbank in our front, in front of our apartment was as high as, like, the awning for our porch. <laughs> you could stand up on top, and you were, like, looking into my upstairs neighbor's window, because it was that high up. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I don't miss that at all. I, and then you... Have you seen houses up there with a door on the second floor? I've seen them in the Keweenaw and then, um, like, um, the Milger's house. I don't know, people might know the Milger's and sue me. They have a door, you know, like Mary Milger and Luke Milger and Eric Milger. Anybody? Any of those? They're only Gotti people. I know Emily Milger. Emily, I think she is. She's a different family, though. Okay, well, they have a house right on M35, and they have a door on the second floor of their yeah. house, like, to the outside. And I think it was because they were going to have a deck there at some point in time. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like if the snow is so high that your front door is snowed in, at least you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I remember there was a house in Ishpeming that me and uh, Tommy Featherstone went to. He had to go work on it. was some family friend or something, and he needed to go work on the computer. Shout out to Tom Featherstone. Listen to this friend of the show. Listen. What up, T-Doubler? I don't know. You probably remember this, Tom, but we went to that house. It was on the old road to Ishpeming on County Road, and it was like right before that big hill. And it was a big old house. I don't remember whose house it was or anything about it, but we had to go upstairs and he had to work on this computer and there was doors up there that led to nothing. It was just drop off. The drop off door, yeah. Keep that door locked just in case you get drunk. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to the car. And you fall in. Yeah. But then you'd be falling on the snowbank most of the year, so it would be okay. So I look forward to that Facebook message from Tom in a couple of weeks saying, yeah, <laughs> talking about it. Oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that. I forgot. I realize that people don't listen to this day of or week of, really, but that's perfectly fine with me. Sometimes, well, they don't listen to them at all. A lot of people actually listen like two to two to four weeks later, or like they're going through all of them and they're like, "Oh, I just heard the one." My mom's like, "Yeah, I'm walking around the dome listening to your podcast." Like, all right, cool. Uh, Speaking of Ishpeming, hey, do you want to play the UP game really quick? Yeah, sure. Okay, you need to pick. I deleted some of the entries to make this easier. Oh. You need to pick a random number between 1 and 277. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with 228. 228. Mm-hmm. Good choice. We have Scandia. Scandia? Scandia, yes. Scandia. Oh, we had oh. Scandia. No, we haven't had Scandia. What do we have? Do we have Trinary? Uh, let me pull it back up. We had Sidna, Sidna and Shingleton. We have not had Sini. No, we haven't had Sini. Sidna and Shingleton and Strongs and Three Lakes. We haven't had Scandia or Scandia. Uh-huh. Or what do we have? C- we C- had C- the um. God, let me think about it. What one did we have? Newberry. We had Newberry. 
yes, we had Newberry, National Mine, Nama, Marquette, Mashick, Mason, Matchwood. Yes, no Scandia, though. So, okay, Scandia. Well, all right. All right, Scandia Township, uh, according to Wikipedia. There's a bunch of little communities in Scandia Township, but it's all just Scandia. Carl's End, Dukes, Maple Grove. But Scandia, for me, is like uh, an extension of Gwyn, almost, mm. in the sense that uh, the Gwyn schools had an elementary school in Scandia. Oh. They had the one in Gwyn, Gilbert Elementary, and then they had Scandia because I think all of the kids who were on the Air Force Base, K.I. Sawyer, back in the yeah. 90s, went to school in Scandia until they got into middle school and then they got filtered back into Gwyn. So Let's see. Yeah. So Scandia is pretty much like off US-41, right? Heading down to Escanaba from Marquette. Uh, wait, we're talking about Scandia? Yeah, we're talking about yes. Scandia. <laughs> Scandia is... So I got distracted by some, I got some breaking news here on the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I remember, you know, it's, either, it's like halfway between the base and Harvey, right? Yeah. It's like the turnoff between, if you're going from the base and going to Harvey, you go through Scandia. Yeah, like if you're going up through Gwen and you go to up 553 and into 94 and like through the Air Force base, or which yeah. is now the airport, yeah. if you just keep going down that road, eventually you'll hit Scandia. Right, which, and then if you're taking 41 and you head um, south on 41 past Harvey, you end up in Scandia as well. Yeah, you end up in Scandia. Is Scandia where the um, Tula sisters have that cafe? Where, <laughs> Maybe. Where is it? That sounds right. I'm going to look it up. Uh, what's the name? I remember because I, I worked, when I started at the casino 18 years old, I was hired with Jason Whitney. And Jason Whitney was from Scandia. And he was talking about how him and his boys would play, like, full contact basketball all the time. In Scandia? And their, yeah, and they had their big trucks and they had their all their redneck stuff. and didn't sound like a place I really wanted to be. Is there any, like, business in Scandia? Isn't there a gas station there or something like that? Looks like there's A&M Cafe. I don't know if that is their cafe or not. But um, it looks like there's a post office. <laughs> That's about it. That's good. Um, so, Gania, so there's two people, two famous people. Mike Shaw. Is that, is that oh, Bastion? Oh, yeah. That's Bastion Booger. Bastion Booger. Or uh, Friar Ferguson. If you want to get real deep. He appears to be from Scandia Township. Shaw opened a wrestling school in his hometown of Scandia, Michigan. Oh, shit. That's probably the most famous thing in Scandia. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I never. I don't think I ever actually met him. I know that our good friend Jim Catron is related to him in some way. Really? Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, I know he worked at the casino for a while before I worked there in security. Uh, and I know, obviously, he was a famous professional wrestler. They still talk about this. Mm-hmm. Let's see. AM Cafe has a website, and it used to be a gas station. You can tell because there's no pumps anymore in front of it, <laughs> but it still has that like canopy yep. of the gas station. And uh, yeah, I don't think this is—is is this their restaurant? I don't remember. I don't know anything about it. To be okay. Honest. Well, there's a restaurant in Scandia, so I think the fact that you have a restaurant alone. We're going to give it two and a half Carl Bonax. And yeah, because Bastion yeah. Booger's in there, too. Oh, for sure. I might be bumping up to three Carl Bonax. That is a great place in the UP, full of a bunch of rednecks and, and Mike Shaw. There you go, and Mike Shaw. Do you think he's buried in Scandia? There's a cemetery there. He passed away, correct? He did, yeah. Okay. He very well could be. Uh, when did he die? He died in Marquette. Yeah, it was a here. while ago. Since so 2010. So. Oh, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, well, would you, oh, call two, you call 2010 a long time ago? No, that wasn't that bad, is what I'm saying. It wasn't oh. that long ago. 2010 is when uh, Inception came out, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of feels like yesterday. <laughs> I didn't have any kids in 2010. Now I'm going to have a three- and a five-year-old. That's it insane. I went to that Braves game against the Diamondbacks in 2010. That doesn't seem like that was that long ago. I'm looking at the Tomahawk right now that I bought there, the foam Tomahawk. Is that the one? No, you went to a Braves game with your in-laws. Yeah. And I was texting you because I was at the park near work, my current job. So that must have been like 2012. And it was a really it was boring game. It was awful. The Phillies scored four runs in the top of the first. And, and that, that was, was all the scoring in the game. That was it for the whole game. It was just Joe anti- Blanton just shut him down. Joe Blanton, man. Mm-hmm. He's still in the league? Maybe, I don't know. And then uh, uh, the pitcher for the Braves was Randall Delgado. Randall Delgado. I don't think he's... With the Diamondbacks now, which is funny. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. He got traded to the Diamondbacks in the, uh, along with, uh, for, in the Justin Upton deal, along with... Um, oh, Chris Johnson? Did he go the other way? No, it was... Uh, uh, 
no, Chris Johnson came from Houston. Uh, it was, oh yeah, no, yeah, it was Chris Johnson. Yeah, Chris Johnson and, uh, and Justin Upton for Randall Delgado and Martin Prado. And oh, Martin Prado, he was in that trade too. Yep. Somebody, maybe another prospect, I can't remember. Kind of a couple of impact players in that trade. But it, uh, Justin Martin. Upton was the, was the jewel of that yes, deal. Yes, for sure. And I th- Martin Prado, though, I was really sad when they traded him away because he's still one of my all-time favorite Braves. I love him. He's so great. Is he still with the D-backs? Last I checked, he was with Miami, actually. I think he went to – because he went to the Yankees for a little while. Oh, that's right. He did. He got retraded again. That's right. Yeah, and then I think he went to Miami. Martin Prado. Let's see what we can find out. Currently uh utility player for the Marlins. I feel like players go to the Marlins to be to like to be forgotten. <laughs> yeah, like they still got Ichiro, you know, and like Casey uh-huh. McGee for a while. He's actually in Tigers camp right now. Maybe I love the fact that South Florida sports has like two old guys hanging on for milestones in two different sports. So they got Ichiro playing for the Marlins, and you got Yarmer Yager still playing for the Panthers. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's how old is he at this point? Mid forties, forty four or forty five, something like that. Yeah. He's still playing at a high level. What is what is he trying to like? What milestone is he trying to reach? He just, I think he just tied Gordie Howe for points, or passed Gordie Howe for career points. Holy cow. He's, t- he's chasing Gretzky, I know that, but I don't think he's going to catch him. When I th- if Yager if hadn't been locked up for two seasons and then went and played the KHL for a couple of years, he probably would be really close. Oh, sure, yeah. But he also would have had more wear and tear in his body, so who knows if he would have made it this far. I think what you get is a good example of what you were going to get. He sure. would have retired four years ago if he hadn't missed those four years, you know? Oh, yeah, I understand what you mean. Uh, admittedly, when I think of South Florida, the last thing I think of is hockey. <laughs> I think about the Panthers are doing great, so it's, uh, they're the topic of conversation for me, uh, at least in my head, when I'm talking hockey to myself. <laughs> when you're talking back to American Wyshynski? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I want to go back to baseball because... Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. Um, there are some rules changes that were made in the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, right before the beginning of the, well, spring training's really only been going on for like two weeks, but they announced a couple of rule changes where they got rid of the neighborhood play for second base, and then they also, um, put clocks on visits to the mound. Yeah, by right? the manager, but not including players, just from the, from the, from the dugout. Just from the dugout, like you have 30 seconds to get out there, tell the guy, throw strikes and get back out. Yeah. And there's also, like, they tightened up the clock between innings as well. Yeah, they did. And that, that I approve of. Yeah. Cut down the time between innings because that's what makes the game last so long. It's commercials. It's TV time, you know? Yeah. I mean, admittedly, in baseball, still an infinite amount of, you know, plays can occur. So there isn't a complete game clock, so to speak. You yeah. can still have a game going into the 16th inning. But you've said that you have an issue with this because it's keep it's changing baseball from how you want it to be yep. or, or it's getting rid of the unique aspects of baseball that you like because of this. exactly mm-hmm. yeah it's true no see that's wonderful there's a lot of things that make baseball as great as it is the fact that there's no clock is like number one yeah me. so adding a clock to anything because i went to the in triple I went to a couple sounds games last year. They have a pitch clock mm-hmm. in the stadium. There's like in three different locations and you can see it counting down. It's really distracting. But I'm not there because there's so much focus on the competition of baseball instead of just the experience of a ball game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I understand that it's a sport and there's stakes and that there's winners and losers and there's championships that need to be won and you need to maximize how do you say you need to try maximize to interest maximize interest yeah sort of I'm, I'm saying like that you need to find a champion yes right but for me i'm more interested in just there's a ball game on i'm gonna watch it yeah i i, I think i don't care if i ever get back how about that <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know that's 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 what baseball that sums up baseball to me. Like it's okay to take a day. You know, yeah. uh, we think baseball is bad. Cricket is even worse in that regard. If you think that's bad, hey, cricket, we're gonna play all day, yeah. literally all day. We're gonna take a break for tea in the morning, a break for lunch, and a break for tea in the afternoon. Otherwise, we're gonna be here from like nine a.m. to six p.m. until it gets yeah. dark out because we're not gonna be done until then. Yeah. And people seem to put up with it. Um, yeah. I I think what 
MLB is trying to do is there are really two classes of fans in baseball. One of them is perhaps the me and you type of fan where we're really interested in the outcomes of the game. We know about the strategy, everything going on in the back end. We know this guy's a terrible second baseman. We know about the, you know, sabermetric kind of stuff. Maybe you more than me or me more than you. But, and then you have the, so when we go to a game, when I go to a game, I'm like, oh, look, Pujols is on base is this, his OPS is this. They expect him to spray it to left field, blah, blah, blah. They're going to try to throw inside on him, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the, maybe the other 75% of people who, who go to baseball games. And those are the people who are like there with another couple or they're there like, and they drink eight beers and they're there to just like take in the atmosphere. And Something to do on a Saturday night or Tuesday night or whatever. Yeah. And for them, it's more about the experience and those, for those people. Root, root, rooting for the whole team. Rooting for the home team no matter what, like asking, hey, is whatever, where's whatever? And is a player who got traded last year and they didn't know it, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I think that these rules are more in place for people like that, who are like, oh, it's boring, but I like the experience. They want those people to get, because those are the, you know, the vast majority of people there. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who are actually, they're trying to change the game to appeal more to them being able to watch it. Trying to appeal to casual fans. To casual fans. That is exactly the case. And I get it, and that's fine. Some people, I mean, I'm not, I'm sure, I'm probably obviously in the minority of how they want their baseball presented. But for me, I don't want any clocks. I don't want any replays. I don't want any. uh, the, the, The neighborhood play at second I'm actually less upset about because you should probably touch the bag with the ball in your hand before you throw it like you should you know i get why you know it's there but i that one doesn't bother me and you should slide and not try to destroy your fellow (laughs) not to try to shortstop or whatever who's covering the bag and uh and it's the same thing with the buster posey rule where you can't block the plate anymore um it takes one big injury on a public stage for these rules to change you know in spite of all the injuries that occurred before this yeah. Because it was what Jung Ho Kong for Pittsburgh in the playoffs who got his knees taken out, right? Or am I thinking of the guy for the Mets? Well, that both they both happened. I think the the Jung Ho Kang or Kong yeah. thing happened earlier. I think that happened in the regular. That season. That was in the no, that was in the wild. Oh, it wasn't the regular season, was it? Yeah. It was in the wild card game. I, I can't remember. I really don't remember. But that happened earlier. The 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 was it uh, was it Ruben Tejada? Yeah, Ruben yeah, Tejada. Tejada. In, in <laughs> uh, yeah, that was he's the one who got taken up by Chase Utley in the uh, NLCS. Wasn't yeah, it, it is the NLDS because it was against the Dodgers because it was Chase Utley. Yeah, so that would have been the DS. Mets and Dodgers, the NLDS because the Mets in the NLCS played, played the Cubs. Played the Cubs, that's right. Yes, yeah. and amazingly won and lost in the World Series. Yeah. I wasn't disappointed to see them lose. I was actually Team Mets at the end of last year. I, I hate the Mets, but I can get behind them. I, this is a totally different group of Mets right now, and my team is so awful that they're not really competition. So yeah. <laughs> as long as the Nationals, you know, burn to hell, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with the Mets and the Marlins, and not really. I'm still kind of hating the Phillies. But I'm happy that they're terrible too. But like the Mets and if the Mets and Marlins decide to be good this year, I'm okay with that. You okay with that? Hate them right now because my team is so awful. They might not win 60 games this year. Your team is playing for 2017 when they have their new stadium outside <laughs> Cobb yes. County. Yes, they are. They have the number two farm system in the league now behind the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are already good. So, wow. Yeah. That's impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as far as uh, to get back on the topic that we're talking about, I'm not a fan of putting a clock on anything in baseball. I can just – not happen. I'll be happy. When I think of replay, when I think of a pitching clock, I think of like eighth inning. Uh, your team is up by a run, and the other team it's like one out, and they got guys on second and third, and your team's relief pitcher is just staring in. Like I'm thinking of Joaquin Benoit, who takes forever to throw the ball because the tension is so high, and he's going to be throwing it over the plate. It's whether they pick up that changeup or not. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love that the fact that he takes forever to throw each pitch because it, it just raises the tension for me. Yeah. And if he would just get it over with, you know what I mean? Right. So, no, admittedly, like, everyone complained about Brad Penny back in the day. or But, you know, not everyone's going to be Mark Burley where you just get the ball back, get the sign, throw it. 
Yeah. I'll be honest with you, though. I love. I don't like pitch clocks, but I do like pitchers that work quickly. I do love watching Mark Burley. I used to love watching. Um, oh God, who was it? Which one was it? I forget. I, mean, I think it was Greg Maddox. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just get the ball and throw it. The professor. Yeah. Well, when you can paint Obviously, the corners like him. I love. I love Greg Maddox. Anyway, this is probably my favorite pitcher of all time. Yeah. Um. The professor. Yeah. So good. He's so great. You could get people out. Just get everybody out, you know? Yeah. He didn't have to overpower anybody. He's just smarter than everybody else. Yeah, when they had uh, Mulder and him, and who was the third guy for the Braves in the mid-'90s? Talking about Glavin? Yeah, Glavin. Yes, I can remember. Yes. Smoltz. And Smoltz there, too. Was Steve Avery? Is Mark Mulder there? You're thinking of the A's. I'm thinking of the A's. I'm thinking of Zito, Mulder, and uh, Hudson. Hudson, that's right. But, no, Tim Hudson was with the Braves. Like, I did love Tim Hudson as well. Like Tim last Hudson year. Was- Tim Hudson was my favorite Brave when he was on the team. Yes. Him and Martin Prado. Oh, I, love, I used to love the Braves. Now I, I guess we got Freddie Freeman. You got Freddie Freeman. Hey, things will roll back around. <gasps> I know. They'll, I, they do for everybody except the Brewers. You know this. Yes. Did they actually go back officially to their throwbacks? Are they wearing those all the time now? Um, oh. No, I think those are like uh, Sunday specials. Still Sunday specials because, yeah. well, I'll tell you this. My When my parents came to visit, they brought – these uh, pennants for Miles to put up in his room of all the Major League teams. And the Brewers one is the throwback logo. It's the, like, glove M&B logo? Yeah. Yeah. It made me think, did they go back to that? They should go back to that all the time. No, they have the stupid M with, like, the, the, barley, on the barley on top of it and the hops over here or whatever. And they're like, Brewers, yeah, we love beer. nobody And nobody cares. And but every time, everyone loves the throwback stuff. The Blue Jays did it. They went back to their, like... That bird. 80s and 90s look with the line in the middle of the number and everything. And the, oh, I love that. Oh, that's... The blue Jays in a circle. Like, that was that was what they wore, like, in their glory days. And they went to that futuristic-looking tee with a bird thing. Oh, yeah. Know, and it didn't, it didn't do anything for anybody. So they went back to the original, and it looks great. And I think the Brewers should do the same. Do you do you like the Houston logo, the H with the star around it? Or do you like their... I like their old logo, which was, like, kind of the state of Texas before was it yeah oh, it was oh, kind of oh. a weird state of texas with a star in it or something like that i kind of like that when they changed it maybe three years ago i so, don't like what they had going on there in the mid 2000s in the aughts if you will yeah. with the with the a like the star was kind of an a it was missing a chunk of the star that didn't really do anything for me though and like they were wearing maroon for a while oh, that's right yeah <laughs> i remember that yeah, well, like right now it's an Last H. Workman days. It's an H in a star, in an orange star, and it says asteroid around it. But before it was like the weird, yeah, the star with the chunk missing out of the side of it. Yeah. I didn't mind that. Yeah, Lance Berkman, Jeff Bagwell, or Jeff Bagwell's a little earlier. But. Yeah, the, uh, uh, uh there's another B. Uh, not Beggio, but there's another one too. Berk, uh, yeah, for Killer B. Because uh, um, uh, there was like four of them. Carlos Lee? Well, that's not a B. I'm sorry. Yeah, there was. I kind of like the Astros, like, 70s logo with the stripes going across. Oh, that yeah, that's style. the best. That's I, cool. But I like what they have now because it's kind of a balance between, instead of just going purely throwback, it kind of went with the same vibe of what they had back then. Yeah. Uh, I, I like what they got going on now. I think it looks good. Let's see. Killer Bees for Astros. I got to look. I have to look this up now. I apologize. Bagwell, Bagwell, Biggio, Berkman, and Derek Bell. And Sean Barry. I don't know who Sean Barry is. So then even in the 2000s, in like 2005, when they had Chris Burke, the only reason I remember that name is because he's the one who hit the 18th inning home run off of Joey Devine to send the Astros to the NLCS against the Braves. Huh. I watched the entire 18-inning game. It lasted through two different football games. <laughs> started at one, along with the other games, and by the time the night games are over, the Braves game is ending. See, this is why clocks are terrible, because yeah. you can have experiences like this. Right, I watched a six-hour baseball game only to be crushed by Joey Devine. Like, motherfucker, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, I and mean, like, if I'm watching late-night baseball and it's a weekend, if there's a game in the 11th inning, I'm going to turn it on, just yeah. because I want to see how long this goes and hang yeah. in there till a bitter end. I love 100%. it. 100 or like, I'll be like... Just hanging out, not really paying attention. I'll look at my phone and be like, oh, shoot, that game's on the 15th. I'm watching. Well, you got to watch it because yeah. they're going to be like moving the infield in or moving the outfielders in and everything like that. It, like yes. The position player pitching, which is always Which is always play. amazing. You're going to have the wheel play, too. And that sort of, yes, I love I love games when they get there and then like the fans start getting really bored. 
Yeah, and you're down to like two thousand people who are like just sitting, like like riding this thing out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they are committed. They're showing shots of like people like sleeping in the stands and stuff like that. The announcers are getting loopy. The commentators. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite things too. Is like the the TV crew starts. Oh yeah, they start doing whatever they can to kill time. <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. There's yeah. so much they can talk about. Oh, he's, this guy's two for seven. <laughs> Well, he struck out four times a day and had two ground outs. So, yeah. and um, also like a replay from like the third inning, and it's like this, this was six hours. This ago. Six hours ago, and I love when they like the clock turns midnight and they have to show yeah, it. Show there. the shot. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Or like the play, they do the pan of all the zeros on the scoreboard across. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to start over on like the tenth. <laughs> yeah. You don't have enough space on the scoreboard. Yep. <laughs> Man, I can't wait for baseball to start again. <laughs> and I've watched more spring training this year than I ever have. I know I'm excited about it. I watched like an entire inning of the Tigers and Yankees the other day. Oh, cool. And I did tweet, don't know if you read it, but it was perfect thing that I, as soon as I turned it on, Justin Upton was up to bat for the Tigers, and he struck out. Booyah. That yep. is exactly the way that this season was supposed to <laughs> How fitting that I start the season watching Justin Upton strike out. There you go. Yes, how fitting. Well, he, I'm, so, he, I'm sorry he's on your team. He's a streaky guy, though, right? Uh, he's the guy who compiles numbers somehow. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> you look back and you're like, look, he's like doing really well. But every time I watch him, he's striking out and arguing with the ump every time. Every time. Just get ready for how 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 long was his contract with the Tigers? Oh, he has a super weird contract. It's a six year deal officially. However, he has an opt out after two years. So if he's really 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 good in two years, he can opt out. And sign another free agent deal somewhere else. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of players are actually moving to this now. A lot of the higher end uh, free agents. You think it's a disadvantage to the team to sign that? I guess it's what the market will bear right now. Or, oh yeah, uh, Cespedes has a contract like that too, doesn't he? Mm, I don't know. Like 20, I Twenty-five million dollars one year, but it's really a three-year contract. But he can opt out after one year. That's a good deal for him. It's I a mean, good, yeah, it is. It seems like the team, the Mets are going to lose him. You know what I mean? That's what it seems like. But I guess if he's terrible, he can just stick with the team, and then the Mets have to pay a terrible player. It's just why would they? Why would the Mets go for that? I think it's okay. So if he is MVP caliber, caliber, then he will leave um, after that one year, and then they got that one year of MVP. But I think the teams don't mind having the players always want longer contracts because yeah. at the end of the contract, usually the players are pretty crappy. I got you. So signing a three-year deal kind of protects the team long term because they can they'll be out of it for three years. They don't have to pay year five of Cespedes at that point. Gotcha. So and it kind of frees up the roster spot and everything. I don't mean it, it is a crapshoot whether Cespedes is going to be good in five years or Justin Upton is going to be good in four years. They're still striking out. You know, if you look at any of those seven-year deals, they never. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera's ten-year deal just started. Or he's got oh. like seven. No, he's he's got seven years left or something Oof. like that. Yeah, and he's getting paid the same the whole time. I guarantee it's not oh, going to work out at the end. No. So bringing it all back home, uh, it was Megan floated me the idea of taking our now currently unborn child to a baseball game mm-hmm. when they're going to be about two months old. Mm-hmm. And I am wondering like how well this is going to work out based on your experiences with this. My guess is going to be easier to do when they're younger than when they start getting older. At two months, I mean, they're probably going to do a lot of sleeping. They're probably just going to have to hold them. They're not going to want to run around. They're not, you know, you can pretty much soothe them and comfort them wherever you are. Yes. So, and they don't have as much of a regimented sleep schedule as you would with an older kid. Like, if, My- if Miles isn't in bed by eight, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, with a little little two-month-old baby, I imagine it'd be a lot easier because they just kind of sleep whenever they want and wake up whenever they want. So, I think it'll matter less. I think it'll be I think it'll be okay. I would do you, it. You think it'll be a good experience? Like, is there it's a... just not super hot, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, it's August. <laughs> it's a Saturday night in August that we're thinking about going to this game. Eh, I think it'll be okay. It's a night game. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, are we going to have to worry about crowd noise waking up the kid? Nah, they they sleep through a lot. You'd be surprised. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think it'd be all right. I remember bringing little baby Evie to a silence game, and it wasn't an issue. So I think we left early anyway, though. But yeah, I'm worried that we're gonna get there. And we're gonna have to leave early because the baby's crying and won't shut up, and I'll feel bad and blah blah blah, and then like you know, long drive back and everything like that. But I think I think I asked Megan like, what do you want to do? Is there any like notable experiences you want to have with this baby in the first year? And she goes, baseball game, Tigers game. So and like. Yeah, it would be great to tell this kid, yeah, we took you to the Tigers game the year they won the championship, the year you were born, you know. At least Mm -hmm. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that happens. Well, yeah, in order to make that happen, though, you have to go see a game. You have to actually go there and do it and be like, it was a horror And hope that they come through for you at the end. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Didn't they sign some terrible pitcher? Yeah, Mike Pelfrey. No, somebody from the Nationals or something? Uh, They, okay, they picked up K-Rod. Picked up Justin Wilson and Mark Lowe as relief Mark pitchers. Oh, yeah, Jordan Zimmerman. Jordan yeah. Zimmerman, there he is. He was a overrated pitcher of all time. He's a Wisconsin native, too. He's actually yeah. from a couple hours north of here. So, eh, I, they say he, he wanted to be closer to the Midwest. We'll see. I mean, he's not going to be an ace or anything like that, but they, he's going to be a cornerstone in the rotation. Sure. he would be a good pitcher for you. So, I have an article to go over with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I stole from somebody on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called... The baffling reason why many millennials don't eat cereal. Really? Yeah, and there is an article in the New York Times, so I'll just read through this and feel free to interrupt me. I'm not going to get all the way through it. Few things are as painless to prepare as cereal. Making it requires little more than pouring something, a cereal of your choice, into a bowl, and then pouring something else, a milk of your choice, into the same bowl. Eating it requires little more than a spoon into your mouth. The food which Americans still buy $10 billion of annually, and I'm sure you're about a billion of that. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are a self-professed cereal expert. That's why I bring this up to you. Okay, sure. Uh, the food which Americans still buy has thrived over the decades, at least in part because of this very quality. It's convenience. And yet for today's youth, cereal is not easy enough. On Monday, the New York Times published a story about the breakfast favorite, and the most disconcerting part was this. Almost 40% of the millennials surveyed by Mintel for its 2015 report said cereal was an inconvenient breakfast choice because they had to clean up after eating it. <laughs> The really? Indus- <laughs> the industry is struggling. Sales have tumbled by 30% over the past 15 years, and the future remains uncertain. The reasons are largely those you would expect. Many people are eating breakfast away from the home, choosing breakfast sandwiches and yogurt instead of more traditional morning staples. Many others, meanwhile, are not eating breakfast at all. But there is another thing happening which is scare cereal makers and really anyone who has a stake in this country's future. A large contingent of millennials are uninterested in breakfast cereal because eating it means using a bowl, and bowls don't clean themselves. Bowls, kids these days grown, have to be cleaned. So, and then, I'll just read the next graph. Cereal isn't the only food suffering from a national trend towards laziness. Coffee has suffered a similar fate. Despite talk of a third wave of coffee, which values quality above all else, and basks in artisanal rather than effortless methods of preparation... Americans still covet convenience above all else. And then the article goes on to talk about K-Cups and how the market has pretty much moved towards K-Cups. And if you go to the grocery store and you look at the coffee aisle, it's got to be like two-thirds K-Cups right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I go to Kroger, it's like half and half. Yeah, that is insane to me. Why anyone would drink that fucking dark brown water? It's it's really bad. It just tastes like freeze-dried. It tastes like instant coffee. I don't know. It's not great. In a pinch, sure. Yeah, in a but, pinch, sure. It's better but than... But as your co- method of coffee, no. I'm sorry. So, in my opinion, I know there's only 40% of millennials. Maybe they're not the majority, but in my opinion, cereal's a lot easier to do than toast. You know? I'll tell, I can tell you right now what a major factor probably is for uh, millennials being disinterested in, in cereal is the fact that they changed... The you're not allowed to advertise breakfast cereal during kids shows anymore. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's like a ban on it, so kids didn't grow up being stuffed with Golden Crisp commercials and like and tricks and uh, tricks, Lucky uh, Charms, Lucky Charms commercials every two seconds, like we were. So it made us want it real bad because it was being pushed in our face all the time when we we're trying to watch TV. And so we still have that as we grow up. We love cereal and we've grown, sure, maybe you used to eat Lucky Charms and now you eat Honey Bunches of Oats or Grape Nuts or something. Yes. Um, whereas kids that have grown up in the past 10 years or whatever haven't had that exposure to the product like we did, so they're they're less interested in it. But this article is talking about millennials, which we are. 
we're part of that. It's saying we're the ones who aren't eating. I guess cereal. so. I think. I guess. Yeah. No, I don't know. What, really, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, this is millennial. We're millennials, man. Mm. We're we're the old edge of millennial. What they call the Oregon Trail millennials. Mm. We're the ones that actually like remember life before the internet and life before computers. Yes, that's true. Which was pretty weird, if I remember correctly. A lot of cassette tapes. Yeah, so. a lot of. I better leave a note so people know where I am. <laughs> Always leave a note. <laughs> Always leave a note, yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, oh, I remember I had my phone or I didn't have my phone, one of the two. And I was sort of weirded out by it. Like, nobody's going to know where I am. I, I was, nobody can find me right away. Yeah, that's what it was. I left my phone in the car when I went into the store. Nobody I was can like, find oh, you nobody needs me. I was like, yeah, they won't be able to find me immediately if there's an emergency. Um, yeah, somebody is going to call me later today from Germany, long story, but as I feel like I have to have my phone all me, on me all day because I don't know when they're going to call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but that's, that's a little, yeah, that's a little different because I mean. Yeah, I guess so. But, more more of uh, how to find somebody. It's not, it's not an issue on how to find somebody anymore. You can find anybody right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if if I need to get a hold of your brother, I can call him now and he'll have his phone on him or nearby or with if you know. Do you take your phone in the shower? Like you bring it in the bathroom when you're. Out? I I do. Yeah, okay. I don't need to. It's unless I'm charging it. I'll leave it in the living room. But yeah, I mean, I, like I was washing my truck the other day out in the driveway and I had my phone in my back pocket. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't want to get this wet. Yeah, you know, I don't like, need it. I'm not going to use it. But it felt weird to, like, put it in the house for half an hour and not have it on my... I have, I have a feeling that, like, in 30 years, all of us are going to develop, like, thigh cancer from the phone being in our pocket the whole time. Like, sure, yeah. And all the RF waves, they're just, like, coursing through our bones and our, our you know, our hamstrings and everything. We're just going to no, be all screwed. No, I don't think they're going to call it thigh cancer. Thigh cancer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'll be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, anyways, yeah. So when it comes why, to why are people not eating cereal? I don't know. Why? I actually, people, yeah, I don't know. I actually just tried to bring it back into my life last week because I usually don't eat in the morning. I'll, I'll wake up, I'll go straight to work, I'll drink coffee. I don't eat from when I wake up at two a.m. until I get home from work at like ten. Oh wow! I have a very physical, very you know, uh, action-packed job, and I get pretty hungry when it works. When I come home, I scarf down food. But lately I've been like, you know what, maybe let me try mixing a bowl of cereal before I go to work, and it's been really great for me. I have more energy at work, I'm less hungry, I come home, I'm less hungry. It's been a really good, it's been a revelation. And I used to do that, and then I stopped doing it, and now I'm trying to bring it back. How much time do you have from when you wake up to when you are at work? About an hour and a half. Oh, really? That long? Okay, yeah, so you I do have time, time to get cereal. All right. Yeah, I give myself time. Well, maybe less than a little less, little less than an hour and a half. I set my alarm an hour and a half before I have to be there, and I'll hit the snooze and stuff. So I, I find that if I go to work without eating breakfast, I'm just grumpy. I'll, like if you got to get blood work done, go to the doctor, and I don't eat breakfast, I am just grumpy oh, all Beth, day. Bethany's the same way. She has to eat something. I can go without. Yeah, I have to eat something no matter what. Huh? So yeah, I mean the, the way the article keeps going is the only reason we can think of is, um, let's see. 30 years ago, the percentage of meals that were cooked at home uh, was 75%, and right now it's about 60%. Oh. So they're thinking that just people aren't eating out more often or not. It's just a convenience factor. We're all much busier. Yes. I think, for me, I mean, cereal is way easier than, like, cooking eggs and bacon or pancakes. I'm not yeah. going to do that on a Tuesday. Ever. No one is. <laughs> no one is. Yeah. Maybe we're just all busier and they're blaming millennials for this. I'm not really sure. So. I guess so. I mean, it's easier to go grab a, you know, egg white McMuffin on the way to work than it is to... Uh, yeah, hit up the drive-thru. Because you can, you don't have to, it's really not affecting your time much to go to the drive-thru and eat while you're driving. No, not really, yeah, you can multitask take, that way. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a way to, because you can't eat cereal when you're driving. No, you, you can't. Can. <laughs> you can, but you'll pay for it, you know? I was driving, um, I had my kayak with me and I was going out west of here. And I had like an hour to drive, and I, for whatever reason, I, it was like Saturday morning, and I had a time crunch, and I <laughs> I had to eat something, so I stopped at Whole Foods on the way out of town, and I hit up their buffet, like their little food yeah. buffet, the hot buffet. Oh yeah. And like nothing looked good, and I think like what can I actually eat while I'm driving in the car? So I ended up with like chicken parts and rice. Yeah. 
and I had chopsticks, and, like, I didn't plan ahead, so I <laughs> was driving with eating with chopsticks at the time, like, rice with chopsticks. That's awful. It was a bad idea. Hey, I ate it all. Like, I should have grabbed a spoon <laughs> or, like, had, you know, a burger or something like that. Oh, yeah, something more handheld, yeah. Something more handheld. And they talked about, like, was it McDonald's went to the ketchup packets that, like, you just set on your dash? That yeah. instead of the actual packet, it opened up as, like, a little triangle cup. thing. And you got yeah. a cup and you could just dip right into it. And then they went, they did that and there was a huge backlash thing. People shouldn't be driving and dipping fries and ketchup at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, people. Can yeah, and they, I remember they had the uh, the um, the fry pod at, at Burger King as well. It was like a it was they designed their fry cup to fit in your cup holder. Oh Called the, the fry pod, which I thought was funny. I guess that makes yeah, fry pod. <laughs> that makes more sense actually. That way. Yeah, so. you actually have a place to put it because McDonald's got those big wide ones. You can't put them anywhere. No, you, you lean them up against you a little bit, but they're all gonna fall. Oh yeah, you like you can't even set them up right because then they'll just tip over. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I know what you're talking. Like, why don't they have a flat bottom? I'm sure there's a reason. Some packaging engineer can explain it. But I those wide cups is like part of the McDonald's branding to have that the fry thing look like that. You know what yes. I mean? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I did, I did like when I was 10, I got some Book It coupon or something that for one free small fry, <laughs> F-R-Y. And so like I was with my mom and we were like, let's get it. And we went through the drive-thru and I thought they were going to hand me a single fry. <laughs> A small fry. Yeah, it was like a, the smallest whatever package yeah, that you could get. The little paper, the little paper one. Little paper one that was like the kids' meal fries or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, uh, you wanted to talk about. We'll touch on last this. You asked if anything about this personality test. Yeah, compatibility it about, test. It suddenly just came to me that I completely forgot about it. We did these things. You said you didn't remember it, so this might be a one-sided conversation. And the people who are listening, maybe you do. I hope you do. But we did these things, and I remember you'd fill out. I don't even remember. I don't remember filling it out, to be honest with you. But I'm pretty sure you filled out this like survey thing, and they would send it in, and they would mail back your results about who in your class you were most compatible with, and we give like a percentage, and it would. It would be, and you could have like who you're compatible with with females and compatible with with males or something like. That. I definitely remember the female one, and I remember always being weird. Like you'd be like some random classmate would be like your most compatible person, and I was wondering if it was all bullshit or not. What grade was this? High school. It was high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I brought this up with my wife, and she went to a different high school than us, and she did the exact same thing. Okay, see? So this must have been a common thing at every school. Was this, like, something the guidance counselors tried to establish so that we could find friends? No, I think it was more of, it was just, like, a fun thing to do. Like, it was just, like, for fun. And it happened, I think they did it around Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. Because now that when she mentioned what it was like, I feel like I did it, but I couldn't tell you like, it rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you anything about it or who was on my list or anything like that. Yeah, I don't remember who my most compatible people were, but... I remember doing I, I it was just I was driving listening to a podcast MBSW actually and Greg Wyshynski actually mentioned it like it's like oh like those compatibility things for the for the dance or for the Valentine's dance or something like that I was like oh, I remember that so that's what I texted you I was driving actually <laughs> I wish and, uh, I could find mine I'd love to see who was on it I know I'm sure that I have boxes full of stuff that I never threw away I feel like that's something that would be in one of those boxes so anyone who's listening if you've taken this kind of test before please let us know what what was on it and who your matches were, if you can remember. Yeah, it was so. very interested if you, if you happen to have those laying around. I remember, like, every test I took, it was, like, Adam Brittlinger was my match. Or something. Like, I was always, like, put in a pile with Adam Brittlinger. So. <laughs> we did, like, a career test at some point. I forget. We did one in middle school, too. I don't remember. But I, I remember I always got, like, lumped in with him and Steve Shire somehow. <laughs> so. But, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, if anyone remembers it, please let us know on our... Uh, how can people get a hold of us to let us know, Brett? You can let us know on the Facebook page, uh, which is just podcast Just podcast-rated, yes. Yeah, and then uh, we're on Twitter, podcast-rated, with an extra D at the end. Yes. You can give are. us a follow over there. Um, or just text us. If you're yeah. listening, you know how to get a hold of us. You know how to get a hold of us. Leave comments on the WordPress blog, you know. You yeah, that yeah, that's a thing too. So, okay, well, uh, that about wraps it up. So, oh, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm going to a spring training game in a couple of weeks. So, in Florida? In Florida, yes. So, Damn. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm probably gonna fly over you 
actually on the way. So uh, I'll wave. Yeah, please, please wave. We'll have more about that. What was the breaking news, by the way? Oh, uh, yeah, breaking news at this hour. Uh, uh, Nancy Reagan has passed away. Oh, she's passed away? Yeah, at age um, 94. So who's going to say no to drugs at this point? Because she said yeah. just say no. I guess I'm going to start doing drugs. Yep. So, all right. So uh, from Madison, Wisconsin, um, where the grass is starting to poke through, I'm Caleb. And from Nashville, where it's a beautiful day and all the windows are open, uh, this is Brad saying thank you. Thank you for listening. The intern, didn't we? What did I say we were watching? When? Yeah, you said you watched the intern. Your mom loved it. Oh yeah, it was it was really bad. I didn't know anything about it. I just heard about it a few times. I wanted to talk to you about Little Boy, where I suggested it to you because you're watching about all watching all these movies, and you're like, yeah, fuck that. I'm never gonna watch it. Like, it sounded like a movie I'm never gonna watch. What? Yeah. What? Uh, how did you come to that decision? Let me let me go find it again. And I'll tell okay. you exactly my thought process. All right, I want to hear this. Uh, little boy. Oh, okay. Let me look it up on on Flickster. Little boy search. Ah, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> the first thing is the uh, Rotten Tomato scores. Like seventeen percent. Well, here's the thing: the Flickster user score seventy nine percent. Not bad. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score of twenty one percent. Yeah. Hmm. Usually, if we have a disparity like that, I'm gonna believe the critic before I believe the other one. The critic's consensus is what got me. Okay. Well-meaning, but manipulative. Manipulative on a horrifyingly misguided scale. <laughs> Little boy is the rare faith-based film that many viewers may find legitimately offensive. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it was so, there were a lot of words in there that, that I'm never going to watch this. Although that's a little intriguing. If you can if you can sell it to me, I'll watch it. But when I read that, I'm like, oh. Just a couple more reviews. Despite boasting several important moral lessons, the period piece is more artificial than, poly, than a polyester teddy bear stuffed with a Splenda and cheese whiz. Yes. Yes. And about as appealing. It was almost like... Um, uh, it, it was almost like the room of Christian-based films that have $20 million budgets to spend. In huh. the sense that um, they got, like, mostly unknown actors, but Kevin James was in it for some odd reason. Okay. And um, it was a World War II sort of drama in uh, a town in California. And everyone has, like... All the characters are very stereotypical. It's about this boy and his dad ends up going off to war to fight in the Pacific, and he's doing whatever he can to get the dad back. And part of it, like the dad becomes a prisoner of war, and so the boy ends up like meeting with the local Catholic priest, who gives him all these things to do, like to be a good little Catholic boy. And he goes through all of them, and eventually, well, I don't want to give it away. You can guess what happens in the end. <laughs> but sure. it's sort of like the he gets molested. <laughs> No, he like befriends the Japanese guy, and but the the uh, <laughs> like the, the singular expression in the movie is the boy holding his arms out, grunting, like trying to move mountains and trying to grab, get his dad back. It's almost like he's taking a shit, like gosh, like that. Okay. So it <laughs> you are right to avoid it, 
but okay. it is pretty disgusting. It's like religious, but trying to cloak that religious religiosity, so to mm. speak. Like it's not going to be overtly, hey, believe in Jesus, and your dad will come back from the war. <laughs> but it was sort of like, hey, if you follow this path, you'll have faith to move mountains. And then like weird thing happens, like he's pointing at Japan, going trying to get his dad back, and that's when the atomic bomb gets dropped. And everyone in this little town runs up and like, hey, look what you did, you did, you, you, oh, great for you, keep doing it. And it's like million, th- hundreds of thousands of people dead because of this bomb going off, and everyone thought he caused it, which was like, that's the disgusting part in the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's like, good job, we dropped the bomb, woohoo, the war's going to be over. And it's like, you know how many people he just killed, so to speak, by his faith in <laughs> the Holy Spirit? So... It, that's great that that would be the reason to watch it just the entertainment value alone um of watching a train wreck and like okay. i'm sure how many movies have you watched this year so far 63 i would think that at this point you recognize when it when like good and bad shots and good and bad editing mm. um this movie is full of bad editing and bad shots not as bad as The Room was, but, like, noticeable. And it's the kind of thing that, if you watch enough movies, you can just kind of pick up on. Like, why did they film it from that angle? Uh-huh. You know, or, like, why did, like, the very last shot in this movie is terrible. <laughs> it's like, why didn't why didn't they end the movie five seconds sooner? Because you didn't need that last shot. Like, little things like that that pull okay. you out of the movie. Yes. When it's bad. I'm sure you've seen a lot of movies like that. But, I have. So, yeah. don't watch it unless... I don't want to take an hour and a half of your life away from you. I'll put okay. it that way. Appreciate that. So I've watched a lot of good movies lately. Yeah. I watched. I remember a year ago you had mentioned that you watched Kingsman: The Secret Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also on my list here. So I I watched that like last weekend. What did you think? Yeah, I really liked it. It was fun. Was it meant to be a takeoff of James Bond style movies? That's what it felt like. It felt like this was, hey, remember all those James Bond movies? We're gonna do like remember? a kind of comedy version of it, sort of. Yeah, yeah, sort of referencing like, oh, he always gets the girl, he always drinks the martini, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, that part I could have done without, I guess. But I thought it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I thought like the kind of Britishy aspects of it. I didn't <laughs> think it. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was like wonderful or anything. And I and before that point, I had never seen a James Bond movie. I mean, I knew all the pastiches, exactly, and everything. But and I actually saw Skyfall. Is that the most recent yeah. one? Um, That's the well. The most recent one is Spectre. Yeah, which I watched, and so I broke my streak. I finally saw one. Okay. Um, I haven't seen any of the new ones. I've seen two Bond movies, maybe three. Which ones? They're all the the Pierce Brosnan ones. I saw Goldeneye and World is Not Enough. The World is Not Enough. Actually, I never saw Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't think. Maybe I did. Yeah, maybe I did. It wasn't good. I Goldeneye was freaking awful. Really? That was the yeah. one that kind of put it on the map. That was the big one. Yeah, that was kind of the big one that brought it back. I thought it was horrible. I watched it probably 15 years ago, but oh. I remember absolutely hating it. I really liked The World is Not Enough when I watched it. And that was the one that people said was horrible. So I don't know what huh. I'm talking about, I guess. I thought Spectre was perfectly good, and, like, they filmed a bunch of it in Mexico City. I thought it was a really good action movie. Yeah. I'll, I'm sure I'll check it out. i got a lot of movies to watch. What's on and your list? What's coming up? Well, what am I going to watch? Yeah. Well, there's the things that I'm partially into. Like, me and the kids watched half of Cars 2 the other day. Mm-hmm. But they got excited because they started. They have all these Cars toys, and they've never seen Cars 2. So all these characters that are in Cars 2 that they'd never seen before, they realized that they have all the merchandise for them. <laughs> <laughs> so they went off to go grab all their play cars and decided to play with cars instead of <laughs> So I turned it off. I was like, I'm not going to sit here and watch it. Like, I'm never going to watch it again, and this is something that they need to watch, not me. So I just stopped it about halfway through. And I am about 30 minutes into Jurassic World. Oh, yeah. Is that the second one or the third one? Or the fourth one? Technically, it's the fourth one. Okay. It's the one that came out last year. And I had to stop it because I had to watch that one on my own because dinosaurs eat a lot of people. Yes. And I was a little worried about the kids watching dinosaurs eat people. So I, I this is I know when when kids are around, you have to get used to a certain level of irrationality of decisions and behavior. And mm. But I have no idea what to expect, and that is the kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we want to watch the movie because of the of the toys, and then we're too interested in the toys to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm going to have to get used to that. So. Yeah. 
It's a little. It's a little bit like uh, we watched all. Well, the first two Kung Fu Panda movies; those really held the kids' attention. Mm-hmm. But then we watched Ants, and they could not care less. Neither could I. That movie was freaking awful. Is that the Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, no, I'm thinking of B movie. That movie was awful too. Yeah. By the way, B movie. A lot of bad signs in that movie too. <laughs> like all the bees are male. They're supposed to, like all the worker bees are female. Like yeah, they're supposed to be female in that. Okay. They were all male, and it was really dumb. And they they kind of treated honey as if it was like. Something that the bees needed, mm-hmm. not something that the bees just made. Just created, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, it was like a currency, and, like, they were upset about people stealing their honey. And then there was a lot of, like, save the bees stuff in there, which is fine, but it was really dumb. Was that really the really... was that the point of the movie, the save the bees stuff, or just Jerry Seinfeld wanted to do a uh, It was, comedy. the premise of the movie was Jerry Seinfeld's main character did not like the fact that people were stealing the bees' honey because it was theirs. Okay. So he like went to court to stop it. Is there like a Kramer in the movie? Is there any homage to his past work? Anything like that? I don't remember. Like outtakes with George Costanza or anything like that. That that would yeah. make it enjoyable for me. <laughs> no, but it was it was really not worth it. It was not. It was really bad. 